Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. I'm Brett Amundsen. We got a great show for you this week. Uh, Dan Amundsen's over there along with David Eckhart. How you doing, fellas? Hey. Good. Got a lot to get to and a mystery guest. Well, I can tell you what, in that (laughs) black square right there that you saw, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's going to be filled with the likes of Greg Tower. He's the fisheries division chief for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. There's been some uh, some talk in North Dakota, some positive, some negative about potential new uh, fishing permit regulations. Uh, we're going to find out what, what that's all about, and we're going to talk to him about the state of the fisheries in North Dakota. How is fishing in North Dakota, whether it's the big lakes or the small lakes? We'll ask Greg coming up later in the show. Eric Meyer is going to join us from the Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic to talk about what's new there this year, and Joe Henry will have a Lake of the Woods fishing report for us coming up. But first, Dan, who are the sponsors this week? This week, we can thank OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Start planning a trip for this spring at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live Target. Match the hatch at livetargetlures.com. Habel Heights Campground and Resort. Start thinking summer trips. Book a trip to Devil's, Devil's Lake. Learn more at habelheights.com. Alclair Audio. Save your earring in the field, especially snow goose hunting or turkey hunting this spring. Learn more at alclairoutdoors.com. The Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is this weekend, March 10th through the 12th. Learn more. It's at Canterbury Park. Learn more at MN Deer Classic. Classic.com, Riverbend Resort, start thinking spring fishing at riverbendresort.com. Ottertail Lake Country, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman, the new season is underway. Watch episodes on the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. Otherwise, we have new episodes coming up uh, next week, I think. Yeah, we're getting back into it right now. In fact, I think we got our waterfall show, the layout boat hunt up at Lake of the Woods coming up. A couple uh, weeks. Very soon. Also, a turkey hunt with David and uh, the turkey hunt slash morel finding expedition yeah you'll just have to watch to find out yeah why do we have that morning progress we have to bank on morels <laughs> david that's funny so check it out prairie sportsman check out the new prairie sportsman youtube channel as well you can watch all their episodes there or look for uh your local listings for uh, an airing on a pbs station near you does and- anybody look at tv guides anymore mm. like remember you'd get those in the mail I'm no. old enough to remember getting those in the mail. Like the actual magazine or newspaper yeah, version. Yeah. yeah. Does who does anybody do that anymore? Or do you just go online or do you just turn the TV on? I think I, th- I there may be still a paper version somewhere out there. I have no idea. I haven't seen one in years. They've got to be around still. It's like check your listings. I don't even know where to go to find a listing. Xfinity? I'm, well, I'm, I'm an Xfinity guy. Yeah, I think if you had a satellite company or a cable company, they still have an on-screen guide. You can well, check yeah. it. But uh, for those households like ours that don't have, you know, uh, we have Netflix and Amazon and YouTube and all that stuff. There isn't really a, a guide or a listing. Or well, when I when I go to a hotel, I'm always looking at the guide. Google. Yeah, I say Google. <laughs> that's right. Just Google Prairie Sportsman. You'll find it. That's right, man. YouTube, love it or hate it, you can find just about everything on there. And we've got a brand new YouTube channel now too, called the Fish Hunt Forever. I fish, I hunt, and always will fish hunt forever. Uh, check out the new channel. We've got a brand new video on there from our trip to the Niagara River, which was a blast. Unreal. And Dan, there's a new video coming to that channel. Why don't you tell us all about it? i got to go grab something, by the way. All Why right. Why don't you go tell us about well, it? Well, see you later. Um, so it's just David and I running the show now. Um, <laughs> well, we went ice fishing in Lake of the Woods back in January with the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders again. And so that video will be coming uh, next week at some point, undetermined day. You'll just have to subscribe and 
to the channel to find out when that'll come out. We'll put it out on our socials too, which you can find Sporting Journal Radio on Instagram and Facebook at sporting.journal.radio on Instagram and just look up Sporting Journal Radio on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, just Google us. You'll find everything you need to know. What did you just grab? So... We had a conversation, uh, you know, we have some serious preparation meetings for this show. Like, we're a professional show. Like, we yeah. sit around, we plan for David hours. rolls in about two minutes before we <laughs> oh, start. Yeah. And we plan for hours and hours what we're going to do on this show. And we had an idea that we forgot about. I think we were going to do it last week and we forgot about it. So this week, we've got to do it. I no idea where you're going with this. No, no. <laughs> no, no. David wanted a mustache. I couldn't no. see what that was at first. That was, was for a trip. Starting to question so. some things. What's going on right no, now? He's walking over. Get out of here. Um, try harder. Nope. David wanted a new mustache. That was a lot of buildup for a bad joke. <laughs> I'm not. I, who says it's a joke? We're going to do well, it. Well, does he have a mustache yet? Well, not, no, the battery not died. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> you would have got started and it would have died. That at perfect rate. That was all part of just my plan. A, just a landing strip. I just wanted half a mustache. Yeah. yeah. Just, just <laughs> half a beard. Half a beard. One landing strip down the middle. Well, we'll take a break and maybe we'll come back and we'll see how David's mustache is progressing <laughs> at that point. And we that want to got talk weird. Some really cool, uh, really cool discussion with Greg Power uh, from North Dakota Game and Fish uh, talking about the state of fishing in North Dakota when we come back. Don't miss the 2023 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic presented by select Heartland Chevy dealers at Canterbury Park in Shakopee, March 10th, 11th, and 12th. This year's classic features top hunting celebrities like bone collectors Nick Munn, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski of The Crush TV, and Melissa Bachman from Winchester's Deadly Passion TV. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. For complete details on the 2023 Deer and Turkey Classic, visit mndeerclassic.com. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network. Uh, by demand, sportingjournalradio.com or by watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. We're excited. Uh, this show's been going on for, gosh, our, our 11th year now, and we're going to celebrate another year's worth of shows at the Rainy River with the SJR 500. It's our second annual fishing tournament up on the Rainy River. All the details can be found at sportingjournalradio.com. And uh, Dan and David, I learned a little something about holding a fishing. This is the first fishing tournament I've held. Uh, here in the state of Minnesota, and you have to get a permit for it. If it's uh, depending on what size the tournament is and what you're going to do, and this and that, and it's pretty slick through the Fish Donkey app. It's all catch and release. They make it real easy, but you still need, depending on how you're holding the tournament, you still need to get a permit uh, through the DNR. And uh, they've got some different restrictions. If it's 50 or fewer boats, it's a $70 permit fee. Uh, for larger contests, more than 50 boats, it's a $225 fee. And for ice fishing contests, it's a $135 fee. And then there's some other uh, restrictions and some other fees and rates, and you can find all that on the DNR website. So that got me thinking about how other states handle their tournament permit 
process. And then I got a couple of messages about what's going on in North Dakota. And there's a bill in the legislature right now. And to find out how it's been handled in the past, what potentially the future could look like, uh, we're going to talk right now to Greg Power. He's the Fisheries Division Chief for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Greg, how are you doing today? Hey, Brett. Doing okay. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, you're probably busy over there right now, but I wanted to get uh, just kind of a clarification on on what's going on in North Dakota. Uh, what it, what has it been like for somebody that's wanted to hold a tournament in North Dakota? What what were the rules? Yeah, well, North Dakota is uh, maybe the exception to the rule throughout most of the country. Uh, for 40 years. Our rules are have been in place actually since like eight, 1983, 1984 timeline, time period that any tournament in the state that needs to be permitted, which is most events, need to, one of the uh, requirements is a conservation fee. So 10% of the entry fees, whatever it is, whatever that total is, 10% of the entry fees needs to go back well, actually, it comes to the department, then we 100% of that money goes back to the local entity that's managing all the boat. You know, most most tournaments are off boat ramps. It needs to go right back to that boat ramp area for a boat dock, boat ramp, fish cleaning station, any maintenance, uh, any youth fishing event, anything like that can work. So uh, that's that's been in place, like I said, for 40 years. It's worked really well. We've permitted well over 3,000 tournaments virtually no issues except for out-of-state tournaments, especially some of the big dollar tick tournaments that want to come to North Dakota and say they can't because they can't afford it. They can't afford to pay that 10%. So because of that, some of those, some individuals have, have introduced legislation into the, in the, to the North Dakota legislature and it actually passed the house already. So it's on the Senate side to get rid of that conservation fee and replace it with a simple, application fee like you're talking is the case for minnesota okay so that basically this would make those bigger tournaments a little bit more attractive they'd, they'd be more uh interested in coming to north dakota to hold these tournaments in that's exactly what they're saying yes so with that if it's just a because i mean honestly that conservation fee you know dan and i were kind of talking about it before we got on the show here that that that's kind of a great idea i mean uh, what a great way to raise money for for the the resource and the facilities there that uh that are that allow you to enjoy that resource but i can see if, if you got a big dollar tournament you know and you're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars i could see how that would be that would be tough for a bigger tournament yeah, and that's, I mean, that's exactly what's been brought up. I, the, only, the only thing I can share is the history as it's been a virtually a non, non-issue. It's been, the, the idea has been, again, it's been in place for 40 years, and we did a survey in 2021 of both tournament anglers, non-tournament anglers, and even the sponsors. And in all cases, there's support to a very, very strong support for the conservation fee. Um so, yeah, I mean, they've liked it because because it is a reinvestment right back into that, you know, in the perfect world, we get that money right back into that that area where the boat ramp was. And it's also, you know, in the, kind of from our perspective in the big picture, there's always issues between turn or often are issues between tournaments and non-tournament anglers. Mm-hmm. There can, it can be quite contentious at times. And I really, you know, in our careers for us here in the department, we've really noted a a shift of more acceptance of fishing tournaments 
uh, where I think most most North Dakota anglers like tournaments, don't have an issue with them. And we, we believe a big part of that is that conservation fee. So the department's been on record supporting the continuance of it. And, uh, you know, again, and, and a lot of people think it's just a money grab or something. We don't get a penny. We, do, we get nothing to administer. It, it is just 100% pass-through monies. So if it changes then to just this permit application fee, which could mean uh, a lot less revenue for some of these uh, some of these local areas where these lakes and rivers are, what wh- will that permit fee then go as a conservation fee, or will that money get split up or go somewhere else? Uh, that's a good question, and the way it's structured right now, there that's a big unknown. I mean, personally, it's right now it's maxed out at. Uh, $2,500 would be the absolute maximum an applica- we could charge on an application fee. But I would, I would, I guess my perspective is as we, we'd have to go through the administrative rule process again, regardless. Um, the vast majority of the tournaments would be paying far, far less than that. So, I mean, it'd be $50, you know, maybe, maybe up to a couple hundred dollars at most, probably for most tournaments. So the money generated from that is, you know, I hate saying this, but it, it, it's not going to add up to much at all. So we, I, it'd be very difficult to try to, it'd be a money loser for sure for us to try to re- recirculate that money right back, you know, for a $50 tournament. It just, it, our costs would be far more than what it'd be worth doing. So I guess that's a, that's an issue that's up in the area where, you know, where will that money go and how would it be used? But it's not going to be much. So realistically, the the local areas that would be hosting these tournaments are going to lose out on a lot of money to help maintain boat ramps, et cetera. And potentially you might bring in some of these bigger tournaments, but other than maybe some local dollars going into the local economies, there isn't, there isn't much benefit for that then. Is that well, kind of what I'm getting? That's a very good way of looking at it, Brett. And that's one of our, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's going to help all obviously and we're all for that of course commerce you know and tourism we're we're totally supportive of that uh the money helping out the devil's lakes of of, of the world you know but uh yes so the, the local entity you know it's usually a partner uh, managing let's say a, a county park board or a county water board something like that that are partners out there that are maintaining the infrastructure around boat ramps and uh, there'll be less money going to them for sure. Now, saying that, I also got to say, you know, in, in its entirety, we're talking, we're not talking millions of dollars here either. We're talking, you know, most years it's probably somewhere in that neighborhood of $100,000 statewide. So it's not an extreme amount of money by any stretch. So is there some sort of way to work a compromise in there where if you want to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> If you want to work, be attractive to these tournaments to bring money into the state, uh, but not have them break the bank to get a tournament fee, say the $2,500 fee for them, but also allow, you know, some of these monies from the, the money from these permits to go back into that conservation. How do we get that worked into the bill? Right. That's, that's a good, another good question. And it, to be fair there too, since 2020, we had, we had an administrative rule change in 2020 and that's kind of what's precipitated this, uh, issue today and uh the department as well as others uh, the cvbs and our tourism and others we've been working on trying to find that compromise what could could work that would make 
you know, everybody happy. And I don't know if that's possible to make everybody happy. There's, (laughs) there's, there's an element of people out there that are going to despise a fishing tournament and going to blame all the, everything that goes wrong with a fishery on a tournament. And you just, you're going to have that and you're going to have others that think that that it's their God given right to have a tournament where they want to and when they want to. So it's, you know, we're trying to get, trying to work to the middle if at all possible. Well, as we know, especially in this day and age, it's impossible to make everybody happy, of course, especially yep. when you're talking about politics and, and the government and things like that. So we won't go down that road necessarily. And to be fair, I'm I'm very new to this topic. I don't know a lot of the history, a lot of the background on it. So I'm just looking at this. It's almost a first look at this issue right now and just my first kind of my first reactions and what, you know, why why is it this way? Why do people want it that way? There's there's probably some information I'm not privy to about it but boy i'll tell you what in 40 years if this has been going on a conservation fee essentially so that was it right so if somebody wanted to hold a tournament they just had to give 10 percent of the tournament fees to as a conservation fee and that was the only that was the only thing they had to pay right right that, there, there's no app that that was it and it was capped for of those 40 years there's a 20-year period that the maximum was capped off at five thousand. So you want to have to pay more than five thousand for all, the, especially these out-of-state tournaments again. Okay. Um, that, so that that the, exception was removed a couple of years ago, and again, I think that's what that what's all the the um, talk about today. It's that would make sense then, because all of a sudden it went from a five thousand dollar cap to potentially you know tens of twenty thirty thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. Okay. What? Any idea why that why that changed? Oh yeah, I up, up, yeah. Well, I was probably a big part of it um, because of public input. I mean, but, uh, there was an exception there, and it was you know people don't like hearing this, but we heard from a lot of the. Um, we had a lot, a lot of phone calls over year, over a number of years, about why was that fair? Why does uh, a smaller tournament have to pay ten percent, but the big boys who should have deeper pockets, why do they only have to pay five thousand? And in some cases, they may be paying you know, two, 3%, 5%, not the full 10%. And that's a fair question. And that's the reason, in the end, that was the reason why treat all tournaments the same, no exceptions. Well, and I, and I guess that is a, a fair question, but at the same time, I think there is some uh, uh, commerce aspect to some of those right. big tournaments. I don't know the numbers, I, uh, but I'd, I'd assume bringing in some, some big names and some big uh, big fishing tournaments where people are going to be staying in some of these smaller communities for a number of days versus, uh, you know, say a weekend tournament with a bunch of local anglers. I could see how there could be uh, some economic benefit as well as, uh, you know, some, some conservation benefit with some of those tournament fees uh, being in there too. But so it's passed, it's passed the House and it's in the Senate right now? Correct, correct. Yeah, it'll have its hearing here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and see where it goes, I guess. Okay. And then if, if this passes, when would it take effect? Uh, that's, that's a good question too. Um, typically in North Dakota, they take effect August 1st. Uh, we've already permitted a lot of tournaments, well, probably most tournaments for the 2023 open water season for sure. Um, so I'm not sure if it'd take August 1st, or we'd have to, again. We I think I believe we'd have to do some administrative rules. They may not take effect until till January of next year, but you know, within the next six or so months, I guess. 
All right. Is there anybody out there that has an opinion on this? Is there anything? I suppose it's 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 beyond the the public input time at this point. Oh no, no. I mean that's a. It's, I don't think so on either side. I mean that's a whole idea. That's what's, what makes America great, right? Of the legislative process and people have definitely have opportunity to input and the hearing uh, on the north on the north Dakota legislative site you can go online and it's being used heavily you could provide your own written doc uh, email in your comments you can show up and testify if time allows but there is plenty and plenty of opportunity on either side of the matter to provide your input your thoughts Okay. Well, and let's just kind of break this down for just a little bit, Greg, if we can. When we're talking about money going back into conservation, say boat boat ramp maintenance, if this money ends up just becoming a permit fee and not a conservation fee, and say it goes to the the, the legislature, goes to maybe the game and fish, and they get to decide what to do with it. I mean, how? what are the odds what there's so i was reading i let's back up just a second more i was reading doug lear's article that he did uh with you and <laughs> he said that you started working i'm sure you were happy that he put this in there that you started working for game and fish when jimmy carter was president yeah so you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, needless needless to say though what he's trying to let everybody know is that you've been around for a long time you've been around the department for a long time and and been a part of the, the fisheries in North Dakota, you know, maybe longer than anybody else. And you have, you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on, you know, what's happening. And I was reading that what the first concrete boat ramp was in 1986 that the department funded. And now there's nearly 400 of them across the state. If this conservation fee, I don't know how much of this fee actually helps maintain those boat ramps, but obviously it goes towards it. But what impact on the public accesses would taking oh, away this conservation fee have? Not, not, not a lot. Okay. I mean, it, to, to, again, to be totally transparent, we've never said it was, again, it, it generates statewide, maybe a hundred thousand dollars. We spend way more, way more on that boat, boat development annually. It's, uh, you know, the big picture game and fish picture, it is not a money maker by any stretch, but it does help out some of these local entities. Uh, with their maintenance and stuff of that nature. So, um, again, I mean, it's this is just a real wag more than anything. But if it's $100,000 in conservation fees right now, uh, the application fee is probably going to be closer to $20,000. Um, you know, again, that's just not much at all. It costs internally in the department, it costs probably 40, well, for sure, $40,000 a year just in our staff time administering tournaments. Hmm. So, uh, application fee doesn't even recover, uh, come close to recovering our cost, let alone doing something conservation mind. But, uh, you know, public shouldn't worry that we're not going to have boat ramps or boat docks or maintain our, you know, get our fish cleaning stations pumped out or anything like that. That's going to, that's going to continue regardless. So realistically, there isn't going to be any major impacts from this change other than the potential of having some bigger tournaments come in, which obviously some local anglers don't don't always like the bigger tournaments. You can see some negative public opinion on that right there, but you're not going to see a major impact on any sort of conservation efforts across the no, state. No, I, other than, again, a, a few local entities that really have really like the money that they've had because they've had they're on popular fisheries a little bit devil's lake but in particular lake sakakwea there's a 
number a number of concessionaires the cooperators out there and, and some of the counties actually you they, there's a lot of tournaments that come off their boat ramps in those counties and it generates a fair amount of money for them to at least keep up with uh grinding the grinders for the you know on the fish cleaning stations a lot of this very boring things that add up the whole name on the fish cleaning station or pump out and toilets are it does add up it's expensive so especially there- for the local entity would there be any sort of funding available for those entities to replace this, or would they have to find it yeah, on their own? I'd suppose yeah, that's something that remains to be seen. I mean, it's something that we we certainly would want to help help them all out. We're all in the same boat here. Sure. All right. Well, uh, interesting topic. I appreciate your insight on that. And before before we let you go, I just you know I kind of want to ask you how are uh, what's the state of the fisheries in North Dakota right now? Funny you say that because I just finished up a, in North Dakota, we have a, a monthly magazine, North Dakota Outdoors, and every oh, four to five years, I do a, what I call as a report card, North Dakota Fishing Report Card, and they've got a, overall got an A minus, we're in really good shape, and, and we try not to give any great inflation here either. Um, <laughs> it's, we're, uh, it's a serious A minus, it's pretty darn good shape, we're you know, our, we call the big three, Sakakawea, Devil's Lake, and the Missouri River Lake, Oahe, that's, that garners a lot of the interest. And two of those three are great shape, Devil's Lake and Sac. Oahe, we have issues. We almost, believe it or not, have too many walleye. Um, they're not growing. We have a forage issue there. Um, but, and then we're getting through this winter. You know, this is going to be a very tough winter. Where Our numbers are, we got a lot of concerns. We have a record. The good news is we have a record number of fishing lakes never more in North Dakota. The bad news is we're going to lose a fair number of them this winter, I'm afraid, due to winter kill and this prolonged snowpack on our on our lakes. But in the big picture, we're all these new, we probably have 80, pushing 80 new walleye fisheries out in the prairie that are incredibly productive, and the locals really like them. And I, when it comes to sharing, that's a different story sometimes, but it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been good. Yeah, can I get the GPS coordinates for all those? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I mean, you, so are those fisheries that you guys are stocking, then they are, they are. Yeah, they're they're you know they're truly a six foot uh, duck, a wetland that are now twenty feet deep, thirty in some cases thirty feet or deeper, that are highly highly productive with fathead minnows and all the invertebrates, and uh, yeah, but the walleye uh, natural reproduction is missing. So we do have to stock them manually for the most part. All right. Well, you can just email me those coordinates. Those places. That would be great. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. You know, I lived in North Dakota for a number of years. I miss, uh, I miss uh, the hunting and fishing opportunities that are over there. I, I really enjoyed my time in that state and um, sounds like things are great. We probably should make a trip. Maybe we'll plan a trip. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe chase, chase some snow geese and maybe yeah, do a little a- bit of spring cast and blast yeah i like it uh very good uh well greg power uh i appreciate the time today and yep. uh thanks for the update on what's going on with uh, tournament permit fees and regulations in north dakota thanks for being on the show you bet. all right have a good day ice fishing season is here this winter plan a trip to devil's lake north dakota not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. 
Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the Northwest Angle to the South Shore, Rainy River, and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch, and Northern Pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, this weekend we're going to be on location. We're in the Twin Cities in Shakopee, actually, at Canterbury Park for the annual Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic. And to tell us more about what's going on there this weekend, we got Eric Meyer joining us on the show. Eric, how are you doing? Great, how are you? It's that time of year again, show season, and I know this is a, a huge one for you, and you've been busy uh, getting ready for it. Uh, how, how, how's it looking this year? How are you feeling? It's looking great. We're sold out, and... Uh... A lot of nice bucks coming in to be uh, on display and scored. Uh, I have quite a lineup of uh, great seminar speakers. Uh, Lee and Tiffany are coming back. Uh, Nick Monk will be there. And always we have Melissa Bachman. So uh, our lineup on uh, the celebrity appearances are great. Um, just a couple days away, uh, we have uh, uh, some really great uh, exhibitors coming this year. Uh, uh, one example is a new uh, company that it's called Burpaw, and it takes the burrs right off your clothing. It's like a mitt. Um, we have uh, some Vikings legends coming, Bud Grant. Tommy oh, get King. out of here. Yeah, yeah, Bud's coming on Saturday from 11 to 3, along with Tommy Kramer and Henry Thomas. And they're going to be uh, meeting and greeting, and they're bringing in a whole bunch of stuff to sell. Bud's bringing in some old hunting gear uh, that he's going to autograph and sell, and um, uh, that should be an awesome time. But um, we got to, cool. yeah, yeah. He, he's 95, so <laughs> never met Bud before. He's still sharp as a tack. That's amazing. So, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously he lived a, kind of a, a stressful life in the NFL there, but the guy spends a lot of time hunting and fishing. And people ask me all the time, what's a, what's the secret to a, a long life? And it's it's getting out in the outdoors and enjoying uh, enjoying being away from it all. That's probably how he balanced, you know, being a, a hard-nosed NFL head coach and, and dealing with all those uh, big, tough athletes is – uh, you know, after the NFL season, you probably go out and do some ice fishing or, or go out and do some hunting or something like that. And great way to yeah. relax. He doesn't get to do as much anymore at 95, but uh, he still likes meeting people and getting out there. So, um, yeah, if you want to meet him, Saturday's the day. Where, so what time on Saturday and where is he going to be at, at the show? Okay, so it's 11 to 3, and they'll be on the second level, mezzanine which is uh, he's going to be near the trophy wall where all the bucks are displayed. And uh, he'll be there with the other two 
players and uh, yep he'll be there uh, for the four hours I I got a feeling they'll probably stay longer but yeah um, we get them locked in for those four well that's I mean that's kind of a, a cool uh, reason to be there on Saturday but from 10 to noon you can meet us at the Deer Classic as well too which is which is obviously way cooler than Bud Grant. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, right in the entryway. So yeah, you know, you could swing in and meet meet you guys. And That's right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, it, you can meet me there from ten to eleven, and then from eleven to noon, I'll probably be up with Bud Grant. I'm just warning everybody. So uh, stop out and and fi- find me. I'll probably be trying to meet Bud Grant with you. I'll probably be in line with you. So now it's uh, it's great, and obviously it's at Canterbury Park in Shakopee. It's been there now for a couple of years, and uh, there's it, it's the, the show has kind of bounced around a little bit, obviously. But man, this is what a great location at Canterbury because it's easy to get to and a ton of parking right there. And then obviously a big enough facility to handle all the booze and exhibitors that you're going to have there. Yeah, we're, we're up to 170 exhibitors and I've really focused on the hunting industry and keeping uh, quality uh, exhibitors and um, unique products and great outfitters. Uh, that that's been my goal. And uh, as far as the facility goes, it's, it's three different areas. There's a second level, and uh, the parking is all free, and it's a massive parking lot uh, right off of 169, easy to get to from anywhere. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of amenities. They have a card club in, in the facility, too. So after you do the show, if you want to play some cards, that's an option. You don't hear about that at many shows. I guess <laughs> unless you're at a SHOT Show in Vegas or something like that, and you want to do some gambling. But having that opportunity there at Canterbury Park is, is, uh, is pretty neat. Uh, you got some stuff for the families and kids too, right? We do. Uh, the kids zone is just jam packed with uh, activities. We have uh, a one archery puts on the youth archery range and it gives them a chance to go through the motions, uh, with a professional instructor involved. Uh, we have the falconers coming in, uh, live hawks and falcons. It looks like Frank Taylor is going to be there. He's the main man for that outfit. And then uh, we have a trout pond. Fishing for Life is putting on a trout pond. And uh, we also have a rubber band shoot. And then upstairs, uh, the NWTF has uh, a booth up there, and they have a, uh, a BB gun shoot uh, with enclosed... Uh, like a bounce house type of deal it's it's enclosed in there and the first 30 kids each day to their booth get that slate call and oh, that's cool. kind, kind of a nice uh, feature that they they've done for a few years now so we're real kid oriented um you know and want to keep them entertained and introduce them to our sport um, they also uh, on sunday we have uh, family day which an adult admission if you bring a child 15 or younger is eight dollars all kids 15 and under are free on sunday um, friday and saturday it's five dollars for age 10 to 15 and nine and under are free but sunday we're pushing for the families that's usually uh, a lot of them that come in are families on sunday so yeah a lot of great things to do 
Well, what a great idea for somebody listening out there right now that has, maybe it's a single parent or a family that didn't have a tradition of, of hunting and fishing, but maybe they've got a kid, a boy or a girl that is saying, man, I would love to go hunt someday. And there's a parent going, gosh, I wish I could, I wish I knew what to do. You know, I wish I knew where to take, you know, take my child to, to learn more about this or to, to introduce them to somebody that knows more about this. You can bring them to the deer and turkey classic and uh they could they could get introduced to a number of different uh outdoor activities while they're there yeah and a lot of these guys are mentors so they they're already filling that role and you know you might find somebody that uh, uh, puts on a class or takes kids out and uh, gives them that uh, introduces them to some of those sports as well uh, so yeah it's a great great family atmosphere yeah we're pretty serious about the bucks and well that's the other thing eric i wanted to mention i mean if if for no other reason like david have you been to to this before i have once yeah okay i was gonna say for no other reason it's so cool just to go there if you like looking at big deer and big racks and going ah, yeah, I, I would have let that one walk <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you're yeah, not going to say give him another year you're not going to say that about <laughs> any of these deer uh but just i mean there are a couple of deer that will stop you in your tracks when you're there looking at some of these mounts uh and some of these antlers and just not just big typical racks but big non-typical racks but just a, a lot of really unique ones just some some ones with just some messed up you know, antlers and just a, a, a gnarled tangle of bone on top of their head. It's uh, it's just a really unique opportunity to see some of the best deer you will ever get that that close to. Uh, and then you and if you got a, a rack that you want scored, you can bring it up there and get it scored, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah. We have twenty five measures at the facility doing the scoring, and uh, we have a. a we have a deal a drawing if you bring your buck in for uh, all three days or if you come in Saturday and leave it till Sunday at one uh, we have this drawing at one for a whole bunch of prizes uh, the top prize being a $1,500 gearhead bowl and uh, and then if you place in the top three positions um, at during that drawing time we also have our award ceremony and uh, we award the top three places ribbons and the the first prize winner gets uh, that Viking muddy tree stand. Have to be present for all that stuff, but uh, yeah, that it gives you a great incentive to uh, to bring the rack in. And uh, we have security 24 hours. I have a security guard that sits with the with the wall of antlers and um, Canterbury has got cameras everywhere, and they have. Uh, the, the head security guy said they had eight guys on duty all weekend, so they're cruising, and and everything is locked up tight, and because um, that's critical. Uh, but you know, and all these bucks. My other job is working for Outdoor News, and I've been the photo manager for 34 years. So all these deer that come into the paper, I uh, recruit them to the big ones to come to the show and. Pretty much everybody that sends me a deer picture got a free pass to the show. So I uh, I really get a great lineup. Last year we had 350 antler entries. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. So the the 64-foot wall, two-sided, double-rowed, solid antlers. So And if there's oddballs out there, I'm, I'm going after them because, those those, like you said, those unique ones are pretty interesting to see. 
Oh yeah, I saw a couple uh, racks there last last year when I was there that I, I just I couldn't believe it was real. Like it did defied physics. It seems somehow some of these uh, it was pretty wild. And you can see a preview of some of those on the website uh, mndeerclassic.com. And if you're listening to this uh, on the podcast on Friday, or if you're watching this on YouTube when we release it on Friday, Friday night is ladies' night. Uh, from 4 to 9 p.m. That's March 10th. And then uh, Saturday, we'll be out there from 10 to noon, of course. Bud Grant will be out there 11 to 3, along with uh, Henry Thomas and Tommy Kramer. Uh, the show goes 1 to 9 Friday, 9 to 7 Saturday, and Sunday, 10 to 5. Uh, mndeerclassic.com is the website. Any other highlights, Eric, that you want our, uh, our, our audience to know about? Well, on that ladies' night, the first 50 gals through the door get a a prize package from wildlife research center so that's another incentive for the ladies to come down on friday night uh, we have some other radio personalities coming in neil freeman from bob and uh, josh from the morning show on 93x uh, we have uh, trail cam contests all the winners will be on display and uh, just jam-packed with fun things going on and, well, uh, we're, how how come we're not doing our appearance on ladies' night? Or meet and greet on ladies' night. I mean. I mean, we could probably do both if we wanted to. We could probably go there Friday too, Dan. But I like sure. that. Next year, next year, Eric, we'll go to Friday. Yeah, Friday. you can hand out the you can hand out the free prize. Sure. There you go. I like it. Uh, it looks like Lee and Tiffany are going to be there Friday. They're out, they're there all day on Friday. Yep. Yeah, Lee and Tiffany are coming on Friday and. And so that will be great. Um, Melissa Bachman's there all three days, and and Nick Munt's there uh, four to seven on Friday and all day on Saturday. So the bone collector, yeah, very awesome lineup. Very cool. This is a fun show. I like being there. I like going to it. There's always something cool to see. And obviously being in a, a building surrounded by like-minded individuals is always a good time. You can sit and talk about uh, the turkey season. We're not far away. I know you're fired. I know both of you guys in this room yeah. are fired up about turkeys excited about it we've been editing turkey footage too so uh dan's been editing the turkey hunt we filmed with you david yep. and uh so i know we're for prairie sportsmen i know we we're excited about that and uh, of course you can never get never get tired talking about whitetails so uh it's a minnesota deer and turkey classic march 10th 11th 12th canterbury park in chocopee eric uh eric meyer thanks for the time today and good luck with the show this weekend yeah, we'll see y'all down there. It's ice fishing season and time to plan your trip to Riverbend Resort on Lake of the Woods. Stay at the Lakeside Resort along the Rainy River in one of their new cabins and enjoy delicious meals and hot or cold beverages in the Miles Lab Barn Grill. Or stay in one of their comfortable sleeper houses on the ice complete with a TV, stove, and lots of walleyes right beneath your feet. You also have the option of staying at their motel, the Walleye Inn, located in Bidet. Book your ice fishing trip to famous Lake of the Woods today at riverbendresort.com. That's riverbendresort.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed Ultra Point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. 
Watertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen, along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism joins us right now. Joe, how's it going? Oh, hey, Brett, things are good. I'll tell you what, man, it's a good week of ice fishing. And and uh, ice fishing obviously is still going on, and it's the extended season right now up at Lake of the Woods. Are people catching fish? That's And that's the thing. I mean, I heard some, I heard some of the uh, best reports this last week than we've had in a few weeks. You know, I kind of mentioned that, you know, in, in February – you know, fish are spread out, low oxygen. You know, the, the road, the, one of the ice roads out is 24 miles long. And, you know, those fish are spread out and you got to find them. And then you got to fish every fish. So, you, you know, it, the fish the fish are there, but they're, they're a little lethargic. And, you know, I heard some really good reports. Not, does everybody whack and stack them? No. Uh, most are finding enough fish for fish right night, which, you know, is, is already pretty good fishing. But there's, there's some that were catching you know, 40, 50 fish out of the fish house. And uh, I don't want to say that's the norm, but I'll tell you what, those are some of the better reports we've heard in a long time. You know what? Um, a lot of suspended fish. So watching your electronics, some of the bigger fish are coming, you know, uh, uh, in, halfway up in the water column. I talked, I saw one report, uh, post or report that uh, somebody got a real big 29-incher uh, and that was seven feet below the ice. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you see suspended fish in your electronics, you want to get up to them quick because normally they're swimming through. You want to get up to them quick, but what you want to do is when you get about, a, about two feet below them, slow down your retrieve so you don't spook them and get it up in front of them or just above them and then shake it. And if they're, uh, if they're active, a lot of times they'll dial right in on it. I've been hearing more and more stories about people catching big walleyes like that, you know, suspended or uh, not too far under the ice when you're in deeper water like that. Uh, uh, I'm, is that you think that's always been a thing, or do you think that's uh, maybe in a year where there's more snow or less oxygen, or do you think they're just up there roaming around feeding, feeding that uh, I th- up that? I high? think they're, I think they're up there. Yeah, I think they're high in the water column looking for tulbies and stuff. I really do. And uh, you know, the other thing, interesting thing too is, um, you know, there, there is a, a one guy told me he said, "You Joe, the fish are down there. We can see them on our, our electronics, but there's also schools and schools of shiners." He said, "Every every wall I open up has a whole bunch of shiners in it." So he also he believes that the fish are, have always been there. It's just that, you know, they just they have a buffet in front of them every single day. They can pick and choose when they want to eat, how often they want to eat, etc. So, you know, it, it's interesting. And you know, normally what happens if there's any talk about um, fishing or maybe tough fishing, oftentimes it's in the month of Jan- uh, February. <laughs> Once we get the uh, open water, people are like, "Holy smokes, where were these walleyes come ice fishing?" You know. You know, and when when do we always go, Dan? Go where? To like, like. <laughs> well, what are we talking the, about right now? The Devil's Lake in October hunting. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, I mean are we talking? Are we are we talking an ice fishing trip? Are we talking Rainy River? Are we talking? Were open you? Water? Have, have you been we? listening to the show? We're always up there in the winter in February, well, Joe. That seems to be our problem. I mean, not always. I've gone up twice in my life, so that's where I was confused by your question there, Brett. Well, the Dan, last I think Dan has uh, those earbuds. That he's got music in one ear. Switch it over to the show this time, just, just for a couple minutes. Wow. I, I'm just trying to understand the context of the question. Well, that should, is all. Let's talk about March a little bit because uh, obviously new fishing licenses now for the state of Minnesota and then some different rules regarding uh, Four Mile Bay, Rainy River, Lake of the Woods up there, Joe. It's what now all catch and release from March 1st, April 15th on Four Mile Bay and the Rainy River? Yeah, and it's important to be specific on that because on, on our lake, 
the, the normal limit applies. It's a combined limit of six fish, six walleyes and saugers. Up to four can be walleyes. Slot limit 19 and a half to 28 inches. You got to let go. Keep one over 20. That still pertains on the big lake. Now, when you get in Four Mile Bay, which is um, at the mouth of the Rainy River and on the Rainy River right now, from March 1 through April 14th when the season ends, it is a catch and release season only. And that's because some of those fish are starting to slide up there and prepare for that spawn. I'm excited about uh, the river opening up. Of course, we've got our fishing tournament, the SGR 500, the second annual SGR 500. It's going to be coming up uh, April 11th and 12th on the Rainy River. We, we decided to move it just a little bit later this year, Joe, because uh, last year when it was a week earlier, we, we were dealing with uh, a lot of ice yet. We had a snowstorm. I could still see us. The way winter's going, I could still see yeah. us having a, having a snowstorm during this tournament. But hopefully the weather's a little bit nicer and uh, we've got more landings open and then it's it's kind of nice because it's right before the walleye season closes now obviously it's all catch and release anyway which is fine people go up there in the spring to try to catch a big one um but it's right before that that season closes and that's a pretty popular time up there isn't it joe it is you know and and, and i'll tell you something why why is spring fishing on the rainy river popular number one for many it's a first uh, first time they splash their boat for the whole season it's tradition you know what, there, there are not a lot of areas um, in, in our neck of the woods that you can fish open water, you know, there, during this time. And what happens is you have a very large portion of these big walleyes that are out in the big water of Big Traverse Bay. Not everyone, but a lot of them, a good percentage of them, they'll slide into the rainy river to spawn. Now you have all these big walleyes constricted into a river. They got the feed bag on, they're big. And the reason the DNR allows this kind of fishing is because they don't. They don't believe there's hardly. They, they don't believe there's very much mortality at all. The water is ice cold. That is. That's good for releasing fish. It's. A, it's pretty much a shallow fishery where you're catching the fish. Most are using a. You know, a jig or maybe even a crankbait, but they're not using live bait rigs where the the walleyes are are taking it down into the guts. You know, um, it's just a. It's it's a situation where it just kind of works. And, you know, if you if you recall, it wasn't that many years ago. That they they had a, a two fish limit on the on the rainy river, and the two fish you kept had to be under 19 and a half inches. You know they got rid of that, and the reason they did is because when the DNR was doing electroshocking, they were noticing that the number of mature male walleyes on the rainy river was the numbers were starting to drop a little bit. And of course, even though people go up there to catch a bunch of fish to catch big fish, you know every, everybody was keeping their two fish under 19 and a half each day, and a lot of times those are mature male walleyes. So they said, you know, let's just keep this a catch and release. That way, you know what, our, our, our males can, uh, you, you know, stay high, in a high population, which will just add to our, our successful spawning on the river. And, and that's what it's been. And, you know, we, we really haven't heard hardly any hiccups from that. Well, we, we caught a lot of fish this time of year there. Uh, we caught a lot of fish on the river during the tournament last year. We didn't get that. I think the big was, what, a 27? I caught a 28. You caught a 28? Uh, pre-fishing. Which is a good one. Oh, yeah, it wasn't in the tournament. That's yeah. right. Um, and I think Scott had a 27 or something like that. 26 and a half. 26. Yeah. Which, which are great fish. I'm oh, not yeah. trying to knock those fish at all. Um, obviously you're looking for, for that 30 or a big fat one, something like that. And, uh, but we caught it, we caught a pile of fish and, and we're looking forward to that opportunity once again and you know if the walleyes aren't biting you have the chance to catch maybe the biggest fish in the state which is a sturgeon which are uh that's e they're easy to fish for and they're fun to catch so our tournament is open to to walleyes and sturgeon with uh top three 
lengths in both categories, uh, getting some prizes. It's only 40 bucks to enter. We'll do 50% payback. 25% Joe, of course, going to go to keep it clean up there at Lake of the Woods. And uh, you can, and it's all catch and release, and it's real simple. All you got to do is log into the Fish Donkey app. Download the Fish Donkey app on your phone, and uh, you can sign up for the SJR 500. It'll be our Rainy River Tournament April 11th and 12th. Uh, we'll be based out of Riverbend Resort on the Rainy River there. Uh, it's going to be a good time. You can find out more information about it at sportingjournalradio.com. Uh, and, Joe, if people want to learn more about a trip here during the extended uh, ice fishing season up at Lake of the Woods or maybe start thinking about spring or summer, what should they do to find out more info? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you going to tell Danny how you cut all those walleyes last spring and you keep it a secret? <laughs> it's a secret now. That poor guy, you know, he, was, he was following us around him, and I, I thought we had a tail on our boat for a while there. He's following us around. <laughs> he's, and he I'll wasn't even you, running a boat. He's still, he, I tell you, he's still, he's still kind of bitter about it. You can kind of tell by that. Too. Danny, are <laughs> oh. you going to catch some fish this spring? I Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will, and I won't tell you. <laughs> I was going to say, he's been talking a big game lately about this. After I what happened last year, camp, so. it might be a take a kid fishing weekend. <laughs> no, I, hey, listen, I see this. So you're fishing in my I boat. See a, I see a tear. I see a tear coming down his cheek. Let me just say, Danny caught a lot of fish last spring. He did just fine, and he's a hell of a good angler. And he always holds his own. We just tease him a little bit. He's like our little buddy. <laughs> little buddy, yeah, it is take a kid fi- fishing weekend. I guess. <laughs> is it free fishing license weekend that week too? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's gonna be a good time, and and we'll see if your mom outfishes you again. Hey, I hope year. she does. Yeah. You know, that's the one person I'll be happy to have out fishing. You guys, <laughs> no chance. Absolutely. She took I remember. I remember we looked over at your dad, Brett, and uh, um, it was pretty cool because, I mean, he was – talk about – how old is your dad? Uh, he's 80, 82. He'll be, he'll be 83 in May. He was out. We had snow on the Rainy River, and he could have gotten under the, the little uh, – the bimini top on the boat he was in. Nope, he didn't get under that cover. What he did, he stayed out there. I think he might have had camouflage on, coveralls on a jacket. He was full of snow. He looked like a darn snowman. But he was out there just jigging away, you know, and uh, talk about hardcore. Holy smokes. Yeah. He, well, he, I, I think he loves it. But afterward, when I asked him why he didn't move, it's, it's because he said he was frozen and he couldn't. couldn't move. <laughs> so, you know, uh, no, he, he had a great time. And they've got they've got their lodging booked. They'll be back up there again this year, uh, uh, spending time with us in the tournament. So hopefully, hopefully it's a little bit warmer for them this time around. Well, and I'll, and I'll say this too, you know, if you're thinking about fishing the Rainy River this spring, and you know, it's it's forty bucks for the tournament. It's not a hardcore tournament at all, but you know, hanging out with some really really good people, um, it, it's it's just kind of it kind of adds to the uh, the tradition. You know, have a little fun, having a couple of your favorite beverages, and. You know, uh, it's it's a very, very nice time with a very good group of people. Plus, you know, we're sharing, uh, you know, uh, what we did fishing, how we caught them, what, maybe what we tweaked to get those yeah. walleyes to start biting, things like that. And we'll give away a bunch of door prizes uh, at the bar afterward, uh, bar and restaurant afterward each night. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a fun tournament. You know, most of the money is either going back or getting donated to, to keeping it clean up there. So come on and join us April 11th and 12th with a uh, pre-party non-mandatory rules meeting April 10th at Riverbend Resort. We'll be recording the podcast live up there once again. It's, uh, it's a good time. It's a good party. Uh, you can find out more at sportingjournalradio.com. And if you want to find out more about Lake of the Woods, Joe, where should they go? Check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store. 
for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.